everyone and welcome to Already Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation Season 3, Episode 20. is called Tin Man. So, full spoilers for the episode, as always. And first things first, I have to get something out of the way. Damn right? it. I have to get something out of the way. Ah, so, I knew this was coming. I was So, I, I complained on Twitter after we recorded the last episode, because when I went to like edit it and upload the stuff and all that, I discovered something that Vash... You don't get to backdate this one. No, no, no. no, no, no. no. You don't get to backdate it. No, I'm not backdating it. This is context for what I'm building up to. So, I discovered that Vash, the actress who played Vash, who I did think looked familiar, although I think I... I forget what it was now, but when I looked her up, I, it was something else I knew her face from. It wasn't this thing. But it turned out she was actually in one single scene of the hit television show, Buffer the Vampire Slayer. And I, I checked out what episode it was, and she's literally just in a scene in season three where it's like a joke scene where Buffy's trying to like gain like uh, like a letter of recommendation from a teacher and she spends like you know a minute talking to this teacher about how her class has changed her life and how important it is to her and you can see the punchline coming a mile you know a mile away where the teacher ends the scene with yeah who are you exactly <laughs> you know that's kind we, of a joke. We, we don't need the context of the scene the point is but that's the whole thing she wasn't even credited for the episode that's how small a part this was right but I was pissed that there was an op- opportunity to to link to Buffy and I didn't use it. And lo and behold, the Star Trek gods have delivered to me a chance of redemption in the very next episode. <sighs> who who beams aboard the Enterprise in this episode? None other than the mayor from season three of the hit television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> yes. Absolute bullshit. Uh, apparently he pops up again, in, uh, not as the same character, I don't think, but he pops up again in both Voyager and Enterprise, so we're going to see him a couple times over the course of this long saga. But the premise of this episode, the premise of Tin Man, is that he is a betazoid, but he is a sort of one in... They never actually gave me a ratio, but I'll say one in a million, uh, where every so often, in a rare case, a betazoid can actually have more uh, telepathic abilities, where they can outright just read thoughts, and they hear thoughts. Uh, and they're always on. Yes, they can't turn it off, they can't really kind of tune it out. So it, it kind of a lot of them suffer from mental issues because of it. He this character kind of likened to almost like a learning disability in the way that you know okay there are some people who are just born with it and they have to you know, overcome this to adapt to become part of society like this guy has. Yeah, uh, but a lot of people don't get through it. Uh, he was lucky that he was diagnosed early and they were able to try and train him and sort of get over it. But he's he's always been kind of on edge because of it. He has uh, clearly difficulty communicating with people he has definitely been around other people but anyway he he's because he can read minds though because he hears things so clearly uh, from other beings he's often used as a, a mitigator uh, either in negotiations or whenever they try to broke peace things like that especially useful i imagine when the other beings don't speak a similar language you know, the universal translator maybe can't translate them yet because they're they're new <laughs> it's, it's not programmed with the with the stuff and He's brought aboard because they've found this, essentially a sentient spaceship, which is drifting through a part of the galaxy where a star is about to go supernova. So not yeah. only is it about going out and like making first contact with this essentially new life form that they've never encountered before, it's also about saving it because it's going to die. Yeah, I got some uh, strong inspiration for, for Mass Effect vibes going on here. The Betazoid is... Um uncomfortable around people to say the least he 
you know, it, people don't like him either because of how... Yeah, his name's Tam, by awkward. the way. T Tam, Tam, El Tam Elbrum, as his name. Yeah, he's, he's very awkward because he reads everyone's thoughts and knows what they're going to say before. He says he doesn't have any social niceties to let them just say the things. He just goes, yeah, yeah, whatever, and just answers before they even get to say anything. Yeah, that's his character. So he, he comes on board... And they're trying to get to it. Unfortunately for the crew of the Enterprise, Romulans are also aware of this ship and want to get to it. And the reason why this episode's called Tin Man is because that's the code name that they've given this ship. They call it the Tin Man. And they're trying to get there, and that's kind of a race you know, before the Romulans, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and it builds up from there. That's basically the gist of the episode, so I'll ask the question. Connor, how did you feel about Tin Man? I thought it was pretty solid. I thought it had a really strong ending, uh, but it, de it definitely sagged a bit throughout the the majority of like the, the middle section. Yeah, I thought it was a frustrating episode because I really liked the ideas it was playing with and I really liked kind of the, the dramatic beat it tries to make at the end with Data. I, I, yeah. I appreciated what it was doing. Unfortunately, I don't think it lands because I don't think the episode actually sets it up well enough and the setting up that it does do feels a little bit kind of, I don't know, surface, surface level, kind of in your face. It doesn't feel like it naturally... I, I think it's because... The data stuff before the ending actually feels like it's not that important. It feels like it's relatively... It feels like that's just like a, a fun little extra thing they added into the script because they realised they could sort of compare that he feels different to everyone and data feels different to everyone. So there's there's some form of... It's just nice little basic bonding of, yeah. like, here we go. You know, there's a reason for these characters to, to communicate nicely. But when it became kind of the linchpin of the ending and kind of the point of the episode, it felt like that it felt like it betrayed what the episode was and I, I suppose really what i should say is that it felt like the episode never really quite solidified what it was doing or what it was about and i think this one also suffered a little bit from over over discussing the technical side of things there was a lot of stuff in the first half i felt where they're talking about where they're going which part of space it's in and what this entity is uh, there was a lot and star trek by its nature has a lot of gobbledygook has a lot of names of places things science talk about whatever i don't know if it was just be between them talking about uh the capabilities of what they can do between geordie trying to fix things between talking about what this this entity might be it felt like there was an exceptional amount in this this episode which would be fine except for the fact that i felt like the vast majority of it ended up not feeling like it needed to be told and uh, looking back at that first half of the episode that really should have been spent with data and and tam kind of building that that bond or or even even just starting an arc for data where he needs to have the lesson that he learns by the end because that, that was the big problem i had is it gets to the end of the episode and the whole point is that data says oh i, I i've realized that i am where i'm where i belong where, where i feel home and i don't really feel at like the start of the episode set that up to something that needs he needed to answer i agree there's a point where it, right before that he's saying whatever it is he's saying to, to troy She's like, Data, you understand? I'm like, yeah, was he not supposed to? Like, it didn't really feel like he was supposed to be confused by this in this episode. Yeah. It, 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 it just kind of felt like out of nowhere for that very final beat. I mean, there was a little bit of him questioning things because Tam was pointing out what he was like. He was, oh, you paint, you do this, you do that, you have... And Data was like, well, I have no mind, I have no feelings. Because that's the, that's the thing, is Tam mm. is surprised that he can't hear anything from Data. So he actually likes being around Data because he doesn't get, you know, lombarded with... Although we do hear that he, he does hear the entire ship all the time, so 
his range on his abilities is really overwhelming. It's not like he just hears us in the room, but presumably it's easier when they're all further away. I think so, and I think the other bit that you may be overlooking a tad there is he talks about how nice it is to get to know someone. Oh, sure, not yeah. just understand them immediately. I think that's more what it is. Not just the, the silence, because like you say, there's still all the other noise there all the time. It's more just the experience of talking with him and, and learning about him is, is kind of new for him. Yeah, uh, so they do kind of set up a little bit that they're, they're relaying his want to be human or that he's to date a mate in some way. Maybe obviously not feels the right word because it's data, but... There may be some shame that he isn't human. That's why he's desi- you know, he has this desire to be human. And Tam kind of points out, like, hey, it's okay to be different. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I think the problem is it doesn't feel any more overt than any other time we do this with data. Like, you know, like, and not even like when we do a data episode, just occasionally we'll have a beat like this with well, data. That's the sad part about the ending not landing, is that the final point being... Because many times we've had him sort of find his self-worth or find out... Or, or, you know, kind of have that dream, like you say, where he questions, you know, how human he is, and there'll be some sort of moment where, obviously, it's not tied up in a bow, because we're never going to really do that, because he's always going to have this need for being a human, or want of being a human. But the end of this episode, I thought, was a different spin on it, though. This idea that him realising that he is, you know, where he belongs, he feels... The reason why he doesn't feel as empty or feel like he's he's missing something in the same way that Tam does, because Tam's never felt at home, he's never found, like, a family. That's something he says to Troy, because Troy knows him. Uh, Troy was actually, like, uh, like he was her patient, like, once upon a time when she was in university. Mm-hmm. So she has a history with him. And there's something to be said there that like he realizes that he could feel much worse and again feeling's not a good word to use with data but you for lack of a better term uh he he could be in a much worse place but the realization that he's already found a home he's already found a purpose for himself and how fulfilling that is and maybe he's taking that for granted There, there was something kind of beautiful about the idea of him realizing that i just don't think the episode sufficiently gives them enough of a journey to go on that makes that ending feel like... Because it's a sweet moment in and of itself. The, the, the moment's handled well. I love Troy hugging him, like, even though that's something that, that never happens really, is data being hugged. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she kind of goes up and hugs him, and he's kind of like, this is weird. <laughs> but okay. No, I agree. It's, it's why I said I, I really like the ending. Um, and not just this scene, I think all the stuff over on, on the ship with Tam, I, I quite like that stuff as well. Um, but I like it more than the episode deserves if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I like the ideas. I like all the... In, in a vacuum, I really like these scenes and what they're doing. But the episode doesn't really uh, deserve how good they are. I think the other problem with the episode is that some of the other elements that are introduced don't feel like they're needed and essentially go nowhere. Uh, th- th- what I'm talking about here is the fact that Riker has beef with them because he was part of a negotiation with uh, the Genosians, I think they said. Uh where it went wrong and there was like a fight and lots of Starfleet, you know, like 40 people died from Starfleet because this went south. And even though he knows it's not really his fault, he was such a prime figure at the centre of it that he has this kind of like doubt about his skills, about his capabilities and what he's about to do for them. And this is something where, you know, again, it shows that Tam hears this in his head. So he kind of says, no, like, you know. If, I, if they'd listened to me, yeah. it would have it gone fine. So he, he hears other people's doubt, and that's again, another good thing for Tam's character. But ultimately, this never really goes anywhere, I don't think. There's never really any no. payoff to them believing in him later on in the episode or Raker kind of coming to respect him in, in some way or anything like that. There's never like a, 
whatever beat it could have led to i mean those might be the obvious ones maybe there's something more interesting to do with it but it never went anywhere is my problem it just kind of faded to the background there's a few things that feel like that like there's multiple scenes of geordie fixing shields for no real reason um and i mean the actual scenes themselves are way more extended than they need to be the first one Mm. um he gets a call down from the bridge and and he he answers them and then starts talking to you know his lackeys who are in there and at first i didn't even realize he'd hung up the call so to speak until he presses his badge again and goes right okay here's the situation i'm like I, i don't know why we needed any of that stuff in the middle and then the second one is just him you know doing trying a couple of things again with some lackeys like right you do this you do that and then then we we, we watch them do it for, for like i don't know a minute and it, it just feels pointless i think i'd forgive that if the action and like can they survive this was like a major part and maybe it should because it feels like there's a lot of elements here again the other thing when you bring up here is the romulan side of things that it's not that it doesn't go anywhere because it does like it's, it's a major factor in the it's conflict undercooked though it's undercooked. It doesn't feel like it's necessary. I feel like the, the, the threat of the star going is probably enough. We've said this on a handful of episodes before where we've already got the, the ticking time bomb, so mm. to speak. We don't need a second element of threat just for the sake of it. It feels like well, it's there to pad the runtime a little. The weird thing is is that I feel like if you wanted to like take away one of the elements and devote it to the Romulan side to develop this idea that the Romulans want it as well. Because I do like being reminded that the Romulans are kind of this hostile, that they're they're vying for these things, that they're out there doing stuff. I like the reminders of those things in general. Yeah, and I, I like the idea that when the Romulans can't communicate, they're like, right, screw it, just destroy it. And even just the idea that they, they have one Romulan ship that, that basically pushes its engines so much that they can't get back. This is essentially, a, I mean... Presumably they could transfer the, the people on board to the other ship when it gets there, but the idea that they, because they know their ship's slower at top speed than the Enterprise, they send one ship so f- quicker beyond its engine's capabilities so it essentially overheats and overloads and they can't get back uh, just to beat them. And then the ship that's going at normal speed eventually arrives later. Interesting yeah. little tactic. I, I thought that was fine to hear. Uh, because I think the idea of the ship being in peril is a good idea in the sense that this entity, this uh, Tin Man, uh, you know, it chooses to save the, the Enterprise. It actually saves the Enterprise by pushing it away uh, just before the, the supernova incident happens. Which I think is, a, again, a nice idea. It, it makes for something where, okay, this sentient ship of sorts, whatever it may be, that once had a crew but doesn't anymore, hasn't for millennia, and it's just been drifting uh, with nothing, never feeling, just always been alone essentially wanting to commit suicide it knows the supernova is going to happen that's eventually because we find out that that tam is loosely communicating with it in the sense that it's getting a sense of things it's it's almost like he's getting a, what troy gets from most people when she's next to them yeah just oh he's it's lonely it's, yeah. it's it feels alone it, it's just there and, and doesn't know what it's doing but so it wants to commit suicide and the fact is is the ending i think leaves it kind of ambiguous as if it actually does or not because like does the ship and Tam have found each other and have found like some you know someone to relate to basically some, some purpose in each yeah. other? Yeah. So it, I get the impression it might have just teleported away or whatever because it teleports Data back to the bridge because Data goes with Tam and yeah. and Data's fine and that's what leads to you know Data saying he you know essentially he was relieved when he came back and he, he knew this was his purpose that he he never felt what and again felt is a bad word. It's, it's it's hard to talk about Data when it comes because. It's fine. I, th- I think we can just use felt, and yeah. that's the the spirit of it is is in, is intended. Yeah, 
so, but he he realizes that he never was like this. He was never like Tam because he had this purpose, and maybe just didn't realize it. I think that's a really sweet idea. Hmm? But like I say, I, I could easily cut everything with Riker not liking the guy because of what happened in the past. It didn't really feel like it was that necessary. I think the the very first instance of it, like before we even meet the guy, is fine because it it just sets up the background of this character. And yeah, it's it, not just Riker individually with this grudge, more just, oh, this guy's got a reputation. It's the scene where it feels he's personal. confronted about it, that it feels personal. Yeah, it feels personal afterwards, so it feels like it needs a payoff, and it never does have one. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. Just the, the general reaction of, well, this is the guy that was involved in that kind of thing. Yeah, that was fine. Yeah. Mm. I, I can get on board with that. It's frustrating because I actually I would say it's a good episode. Honestly, if you ask me to say like describe it in a word, I'd say it's good. It's not great because it it kind of whiffs on some of its ideas. It doesn't it doesn't cook them enough? I guess, but it is good. It's got good ideas. It's got a good feeling, and I think the actor uh, Harry Groner who plays Tam, he's pretty solid. I mean, it might be a case of like this is a, maybe an example of where they spend too much time on the guest star. He gets a lot of screen time here. Maybe he does. Uh, and I think he probably does need a lot, but I think data should have is just just as much, <laughs> I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. And if you take out things like either the Romulan element or the personal Raker element and some of the, the tech stuff with Jordan, it just feels like it's padding, then maybe that gets the time to develop that could have made the ending really sing just and pay off. Focus a little bit too much. It's like a meal with too many sides. Yeah... Yes, but the main course is... But, but the, the plate is still the same size, and you've, you've just reduced the size of the, the main element, and, you, and you're and you like, well, didn't really want all of these sides, could have just done with more of the main. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bad comparison or example for me, because I, I, I love to load it up with the mashed potato if, I, if I've got the choice. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, so do I. <laughs> but the, the sentiment, uh, it, it says a lot that we both went to a roast dinner in that comparison, because that was exactly the thing I went to, and I went, is that too British? Do, is the, that too the, too far? The mashed potato and gravy is the best part of the whole thing. I'll I'll say it right. <laughs> the the meats the meats the thing that justifies it being a meal. But what I'm really there for is lots of mashed potato and gravy. <laughs> I I don't disagree with that. Uh, as someone who has far too much mashed potato and gravy every time, I, like to the point where Paige complains at me for cooking too much mash. I'm like, no, it's fine. It's it's fine. I'll eat it. Don't worry. Every, every time. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I don't want to be too hard on it because I, I do actually, you know, I like I like the actor, I like the guest star, I, I like the ideas that it's playing with, and I, I think uh, it's more. I really frust- like the opening. Um, oh sure. You know, with the with the other captain and just that camaraderie between, you know, you know between Starfleet officers. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just it's just this other guy telling uh, Picard what's going to happen. But they're, but they're all on yeah. first name basis. It's friendly, and yeah. he's like you know making little digs at Riker. You know, like how's it going over there on that luxury cruise liner? Yeah. And I think the other thing it maybe suffers from is that some of the scenes with Tam are a little bit repetitious in the middle. It kind of maybe replaces mm. the same point again a couple times, just with different characters. Yeah, uh, and you probably could have you probably could have condensed that in a way that was far more, uh, you know, just conclusive in what it was doing. Far, far more, uh, maybe better use of its time. Yeah. So that's yeah i guess that's the the ultimate complaint with this one is that it just doesn't make good use of its time and therefore the the overall quality of all the ideas suffers even though the ideas themselves are really good and the frustrating part of that is that unlike a genuinely bad episode where the thing the, the idea from scratch is just too goofy or it's just a sort of generic episode is i actually think this one had potential to be great this one had potential to be great and it 
it just it falls short of that and it's so it's an easy enough watch and it's it's one that like i'm not someone who skips episodes but if i ever was doing a rewatch and this year i did say oh you know what they're so standalone i'm going to skip some of the, the shitty ones for time i probably wouldn't skip this one because i think there's enough interesting stuff in this to make it worth watching oh definitely especially when compared to like the last one where yeah that one would probably be a skip oh yeah it's way better than uh indiana picard <laughs> yeah yeah a lot better yes uh, although notably, both episodes. Did I tell you at the start that they both have an actor from the hit television show? I'm the Van somehow it? throw something at you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can make it a hat trick. Come on. Three in a row, baby. Three in a row. <laughs> Speaking of the next episode, though, I should probably look ahead and see what's... The worst uh... part is just because of the time period it's in, um, there's a reasonable chance that, yeah, you could get another oh, yeah. one. I mean, hell, but we've had tons of them so far. We had uh, you know Principal Snyder, uh, Armin Shimmerman was was uh, Ferengi, and he's yeah. going to shop again. And then we've had, uh, who else have we had? We've had a, we've had a bunch. Oh, we've had plenty over it. But I mean, it's it's we're at that stage where three in a row isn't impossible, given that we're I think we're probably in nineteen ninety now at this point. Ninety um ninety one maybe at this point in the season. So yeah, I mean the point is is we're only about six years from Buffy. Yeah, yeah. We're, so we're, the act- we're in the timeline where those actors doing side and smaller roles. Uh, are popping up all over the place in various TV shows. Yeah. So, uh, and it is worth mentioning, you know, I did notice his age here, Harry Groner. It's not like a big difference, but I could tell he was younger. He looked younger. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's like I say, it's only maybe five or six years, but it's noticeable. Yeah. It was the same when, uh, uh, when Terry Hatcher showed up and you know it's about you know four mm. years five years before Lois and Clark you know it's kind of yeah yeah it's not a big difference but there's just sometimes you can just you can tell yeah I, I think with Terry Hatcher because she's probably just past that age where she might have been playing a teenager just before yeah is this when we did Sisters what <laughs> is this on the show yeah she was on she was on Next Gen was she? I don't remember. She was in the episode where the sort of the, the study Han Solo dude came on board and was flirting with everyone. Oh god, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah, she was just randomly. That was a forgettable episode. It was a forgettable episode, but she, that was the most noble thing about it, is that it was a random young Terry Hatcher just there yeah, yeah. doing O'Brien's job for a minute because he wasn't going to flirt with O'Brien. I mean maybe he could have, <laughs> he could have tried. If I Ethan, I'd like to see that scene to be honest. But anyway, next yeah. episode is called Hollow Pursuits. Uh, the description in IMDB is as follows. A shy member of the Enterprise crew becomes addicted to the holodeck where relationships are easier than real life when his knowledge is uh, is needed in engineering. This actually sounds oddly ahead of its time. It does. <laughs> I was just thinking that. This sounds like, I, I don't know, someone on an MMO or something like that. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it sounds like someone really liked the movie Her and then went back in time and did a Star Trek episode on it. Or, or even like just social media, like the idea that you get to know someone on Twitter, but that's all you ever get kind of thing because it's easier than real life. I don't know. Like, that that's feels yeah. ahead of its time. So, I, I Well, let's see if it pulls it off first. I mean, admittedly, it may not pull it off. Yes, we'll, we'll have to go have to go see. But uh, oh, pretty interesting. All right. Well, we'll see how that is next next time. Uh, what's interesting though, just going from the image here, and given the way it described it, it sounds like it's a you know it's a guest star. It's not someone. Well, it's not one of the main crew. So, uh, be yeah. curious to see how they how they better, tackle better us. Better not be another Buffy. <laughs> I don't recognise them from the small image, but I mean we'll find out. It's a good start. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, because that was the thing actually. Is I I put in the Blu-ray right, and I got to the the menu, and there's like a little thumbnail for each episode, yeah. right? 
And as soon as I saw the thumbnail, I went, also the mayor from Buffy, is, is that is that who I think it is? <laughs> Low-hanging fruit, this one, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't feel too bad about the last one because she was literally in one scene uncredited. <laughs> I, I feel bad that you felt the need to to get it in at the start of this one. You could have just ignored that and just told us the story of this one and claimed this one. You're just like, no, no, no. You had to make a point that was one in last week's too. No, no, because this was redemption. This was a, a redemption. The fact that I got one in the very next episode was a big deal. But that has been our discussion of episode 20 of season three. Let us know what you think in the comments. Please do like. Liking is important on YouTube. It gives us, uh, you know, more recommendations out to people. YouTube will put us in the uh, the suggested videos list and things like that. So please do like. It is the easiest free way to support everything we do, as does rating the, the podcast and Apple Podcast. If you want to support us with a little bit of money, you can do that over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month and keep all the content coming. Get some bonuses as well while you're at it. Uh, especially uh, some of the higher tiers. $5, for example, you get these Star Trek reviews early. So go and have a look and see if you're interested in doing all that. But uh, yeah, get us on Twitter as well, at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. But that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching Star Trek, guys. And remember, when it comes to the ladies, Wesley Crusher is in complete control.